Yes. Uh, how you guys? Yeah, Impact, you guys go. You're going with Phil today, not me. Because uh, what we're doing today, guys, is we're, um, there's uh, three of us. We're going to be doing tag team sharing. There's Kyron, Grace, and myself. And uh, we've been told by Colin to look at this passage. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you now. We've kind of broken it down into three parts so that we won't clash and uh, you'll get three different stories out of this passage. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've broken it down and, and we'll explain what parts we have. So I'll, I'll read it now. I haven't actually done this, so well, hopefully I read it well. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them all. Work in them all. That there were no needy persons among them for the, from the time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from those sales, and put it to the, at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So, yeah, you're going to get three different messages out of that. Um, Grace is going to cover the first part. And so, yeah, just welcome Grace up. Hi, guys. Um, This is my first time speaking in front of all of you. Um, So please don't judge me. I'm probably going to be, like, shaking and reading like this the whole time. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Georgia. (laughs) Um, Just remember, I'm not an expert. I'm just speaking from the heart, so... You know, um, so I'm going to be talking about the first verse um, in this passage. Um, so I'll just read it to you again. Um, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possession. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. So pretty powerful. Something we couldn't really imagine um, in today's time. So. This is, sort, this is sort of showing the unity of, you know, the body of Christ after Jesus died. When they were so overcome with the spirit that um, they were of one heart and mind. Um, so what do we know about unity in the early church? Um, the church at the time of Acts reflects on a time of connectedness. Like we could never envision in working in modern society. A time where having the best and the most things just would not cut it. Maybe like it would now. The book of Acts reflects on the early church's completely radical approach to possessions. Those with plenty gave to those with less. Resources were distributed according to need rather than want. We might think, oh, that would be great. You know, all those greedy millionaires, if they could just pay for my shopping this week, that'd be really good. Um, But, you know, this isn't what God wants us to get out of this passage. You know, if you have access to enough food, access to clean drinking water, and access to an education, you are already among the world's most well-off. So, you know, why do we have all of these things that are so important for our lives, but so accessible that they seem ordinary when, in reality, we know that they're extraordinary? We owe it all to God's grace um, and not our own worthiness for these things. Um, So that's the early church. Um, 
Now I'm going to go over the first part of the verse, which is all of the believers were in one heart and mind. Well, of one heart and mind. So how can that be possible? How could a multitude of believers have one heart and mind? I want you to look at the person next to you on either side and just think for a moment what it would be like to have every single thing in common with them. (laughs) Now, don't show your negative reaction to that person because that might be a little bit hurtful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just imagine... um, You have the same life experiences as them, the same pet peeves, the same favourite foods, the same quirky relatives, uh, same physical appearance, you know, um, so on and so forth. Um, Yeah, something to think about. Um, This week I had a really interesting spiritual debate with a friend studying speech therapy with me. So those of you who don't know, I study speech therapy. Um... She goes to a church called Campus Church. Probably some of you might know about it. Um, and just to put it really nicely, I um, just couldn't really like engage with the service. I just found it a little bit, sorry to those who really like Campus Church, but I found it a little bit dry, a little bit serious. You know, like, hi, everyone, this is the service. Here's verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. Okay, thank you for coming, everyone. Like, that's just the way, to me, it was sort of... Um, it was sort of structured, but to her, she loved it, you know, like, it was what she thrived on, going to, like, going to see every single week, it's what, how she um, is able to continually um, be fed through the Spirit, and I really, um, yeah, I really um, appreciate that she can have that, and I sort of don't, but, you know, we're so used to in this church having, you know, Colin's dad jokes and his stories and his analogies and you know he's so entertaining he's so engaging so you know I'm so used to that and it was just so different um and yeah so she argued that entirely scripture-based talks were the best way to draw people into the kingdom whereas I decided that scripture mixed with relatable and engaging content was the best way to go but Whatever either of us said, we both treated the situation with love and we agreed we had the same agenda. A passion to show people God's love, his goodness and his plans for our lives. We were able to bring our different life experiences and perspectives together to make something fruitful happen. So anyway, how could a multitude of believers have one heart and mind? There's actually a simple answer to this not-so-simple question, um, and it's in the form of a very not-simple verse. <laughs> um, they were, so they were basically united through the Holy Spirit to be a part of the body of Christ. Before Jesus died, he said this, as it's written in John 17:20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. And they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. (laughs) It's a little bit like um, Cat in the Hat, Dr. Seuss. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, But it sums up Jesus' intentions for those who are going to continue to believe in his power after his death. He wants them to come together, laying an example of the father's relationship with his son to give testament to non-believers that Christ died for them. This relationship is not only vertical, 
so us and God, but it's also horizontal, so between each other. So how we love others is a testament of his love. How can we expect other people to be drawn to the church if we don't love others as Christ did? This passage is not about fitting into a square or being a bunch of indistinguishable robots, but more learning how to love others as though they are a component of Christ's body. So the next part of the verse is, no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, can you imagine that? How are we supposed to share everything we have? That's not physically possible. Now, bear with me. I know the message translation of the Bible is, you know, the one we all love to hate because it's so alternative and poetic and, you know. But I really love the way it frames um, this verse because it says, no one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. Now, I don't know about you, but that totally makes me think of like a room full of preschoolers fighting for a, like a bunch of brand new toys. Um, now, if you've either A, had children, B, worked with kids, or C, studied child development, you might have noticed a toddler's rules for ownership. Don't worry, I am only fall under the last two. Got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Haven't got any secrets to tell you. So these are the three rules of um, toddler ownership. If I like it, it's mine. If I'm holding it, it's mine. And if I can take it from you, it's mine. So for the past month, I've been doing placements in a preschool, um, just learning how you know kids communicate. It's quite a big part of my degree. Um, so this is all really familiar to me. Some of them were absolute menaces. So um, there's, I have an example. I had to get two girls to hold each side of a teddy. So one girl was holding the arm of one teddy and then one girl would be on the other side holding the other arm because if one had the teddy, the other one would scream her head off and I would somehow have to console the child <laughs> and make her give it back, but then the other one would start screaming. So, yeah, it was a real trouble. Um, but we'd be kidding ourselves if we said that we don't love acquiring and holding on to new things as though we never took the proverbial nappies off. We truly believe sometimes that we deserve what we have, limiting gifts to, from God to things that we can feel entitled to and capitalise on. What would happen if we could reverse this way of thinking? I know such a massive goal is easier said than achieved, and it's okay to admit we don't know all the answers. And this only touches the surface about God's intentions for unity, but I'll close my part with Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Shot, Grace. It was awesome. Cool. So I am looking at the passage, just the 33 passage. So that means Kyron has to talk about everything else. So I'm looking at the part that says, With great power the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully, I always get that, but right, at work in them all. Um, and so... Uh, 
I was like, okay, just one verse. Okay, what am I going to, how am I going to do this? Um, and so I just thought, right, let's look at context. So I, I went back and looked at what happened in chapter 3 and stuff. So this uh, Acts, Acts 4, it's about um, Peter and John. They're actually um, going around just testifying the, um, the resurrection of Jesus. And in chapter, four, uh, chapter 3, they, um, uh, Peter heals a lame beggar at the gate. <clears throat> And uh, that, that, that lame beggar's been there for so long, he gets there, put there every day. And uh, so that leads to chapter, start of chapter 4 that, um, that talks about <coughs> uh, Peter and John going, um, uh, talking, talking, uh, just sharing, sharing, sharing the resurrection of Jesus. And um, they lead to having 5,000 um, in belief after. But right that evening, they were seized uh, by the elders and uh, teachers of the law. They were um, put into jail, and they were questioned by them. And uh, that's actually verse 8, if you want to read along. Um, the question was, by what power or what name do you do this? And uh, Peter replies, saying, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom crucified, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Now, God put me on a, a journey. It's funny how when preparing uh, some sort of uh, just sharing time, he kind of puts you through a journey the whole week. And uh, just by reading all this, it challenged me, actually, because um, Peter, when he said that, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just thought in my context, I'm a youth worker. I work at Shirley Boys High and Queen's Park Primary School. And... Uh, how many times do I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me um, before going into that? And I need to get better at that. Like it's, it's just God just tells me I need to get better at that. And um, I do. I do sometimes. But that's when I'm like, you know, when I'm in the in the, when I'm feeling no energy, I ask for the Holy Spirit then. But I should be doing it every time because I'm going into a mission field. And I know some of you prayer warriors are praying for me, which is so awesome because I need that. Um, <clears throat> So that, that's something that challenged me, and uh, someone actually reminded me last Sunday how I hear the Holy Spirit and how He works in me in a way, and it's it's actually through my thoughts because Jesus lives within me, and because I, I, I do I do His work. The thoughts that He has is actually His thoughts as well. My, so, so I said that a bit wrong. My thoughts um, are God's thoughts as well, especially when I'm in at Shirley in, in Queens Park. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, I think it was Monday. Monday, uh, Shirley boys, uh, I was walking out to go get my lunchbox, and I see this kid on his laptop just sitting there, and uh, uh, my thoughts are straight away, go say hi to him, go say hi to him. So I'm walking out the gate, I go straight to my car. I just don't go say hi to him. Even though my thoughts are saying, go say hi to him, I'm just like, no, 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 no. So that's not me obey, uh, uh, being obedient. So I go to my lunchbox, I'm like, go get my lunchbox. The whole way there and the whole way back, my thoughts just going, why did you not talk to him? Go and talk to him. Why are you not doing that? So the whole way, it's just, it's going. So I'm like on the way back, walk through the gate, my lunchbox. I see him, I see him. He didn't look at me. So I was like, okay, I better say something. Hey, bro, are you all good? That's all I say. And he says, yeah, I'm good. And I'm just like, oh, where's this going? Okay, see ya. Um, so I just walk off straight away, and I go to the staff room and have my lunch. And that whole way of eating my lunch, again, my thoughts are like, 
you could have said something way more. You could have said something way better. And so on the way back, I actually go and have the conversation with him. And um, uh, I just talked to him. Normally, conversations and Shirley end up talking about video games. And so this one did. Uh, <laughs> it's just something the boys love talking about. And he's actually waiting for his mum out there because uh, his mum had to drop him off something. And uh, he was just waiting there for a long time. And I said, I'm just going to put my lunchbox away the whole time. I'm just still like kind of thinking and praying what do I say to him. Uh, on the way back, we have a conversation again. I would love to tell you, just like... Um, Oh, well, Peter and John would have done. I would have loved to tell you that I've just told him the gospel. I've just done that. But that's not my, I, I'm not allowed to do that uh, straight up. Only if they ask me a question, I can. And uh, yeah, I'd love to say that I can do that. But um, yeah, God kind of put me on a journey then and said, hold up. There's, um, there's nothing wrong with what you just did. Um, that boy's day wouldn't have been the same if you hadn't gone and said hi to him. So I'm like, um, you because you care, you were there with the Holy Spirit. You were listening to me. That is, um, you're doing God's greatness. He was just affirming to me, and I was like, okay, cool, cool. And he he says to me, you actually did a lot. You did a lot. You didn't know that. And I was like, really? Did I? Um, it's like because you have the Holy Spirit with you, because you have that kind of greatness carrying. You're doing a lot more in the spiritual realm than you think, and I'm like, I just get I just get goosebumps when it comes to talking about the spiritual. Realm, cause I actually don't know what that looks like. I don't know because that's that's what um, the spiritual realm is. We can't see it, and so yeah, I still need to figure it out more. What it looks like shifting things in the spiritual realm, and surely, um, but. Yeah, if someone wants to talk to me about that more, uh, I'd love to know, because I actually don't know, um, uh, yeah, what, what it looks like with the spiritual realm stuff. Um, another story, which uh, I'm mentoring a kid, and uh, I take him to BK because that's the best way to mentor them. You just go buy them a drink or something, and they, they love it. Um, that's the best way to mentor. But he comes straight up and asks me, are you like a religious person or something? And I'm like, snap, this feels good, like, just like Peter, when he was um, when he was uh, asked the question, "By what name do you do this?" That's the kind of same question for me. It's like, "Are you a religious person?" And like straight away, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter was when he answered those teachers of the law. And I don't know what I'm going to say when when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just like. Okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I'm just, and just words come flying out. I tell him, I wouldn't call myself a religious person. I would call myself a Christian. There's a difference between religions. I don't know where this has come from. There's a difference between religions. Religions, um, you have to do good deeds to, to make some sort of level to be good. Uh, but I'm like, Christianity is actually, um, God's already done it for you. He, all he wants you to do is accept it. He's done all the hard work. All you need to do is accept it into your heart. And like, that just flowed from me. And I was just like, what? That was the Holy Spirit going. And uh, that, was, that was really cool. And the conversation just kept on going. And... Um, we ended up talking about hardcore music, um, which is the screamo stuff, because he likes that. And then I used my my, uh, my relating stuff, and I I know a little bit of Christian hardcore, and so I got him into listening some to listening to some Christian hardcore. Um, so those are the fun conversations that kind of happen, at, um, at, at surely for me. Um, but kind of just to ra- wrap it up, um, doing great things for God is is challenging. Doing God's greatness is challenging. 
And um, the only way we can do great things is with the Holy Spirit. And for me, needing to ask God when I'm going into the mission field is really important. Going into work for you guys, do you guys pray before you go into, into work? How I feel me with the Holy Spirit for those conversations to happen? Just, just a challenge. And um, yeah, because being inclined for me, being inclined with my thoughts, maybe that helps you guys as well. Because God is with you and Jesus is wherever you go. Your thoughts are actually of his as well. You just got to remember that as well. Um, and so that, that is really important for me to know that as go do that. I just do it sometimes, sometimes I don't. But um, yeah, I want to challenge you guys just uh, at the end of this service uh, to go talk to someone who you haven't actually seen before. And you don't need to worry because the Holy Spirit is with you. I'll be praying for you guys as you're doing that. But at the end of the service, I want you to go talk to someone who you don't know. And um, what that looks like is actually being obedient to your thoughts and also that, but also it's kind of doing God's greatness and that can lead to conversations at work with non-Christians. And uh, yeah, so I was talking about greatness. That's what I was looking at. Going to invite Karen to come up now, but yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, kia ora, good morning. If I've never met you before, my name is Kyron, um, and it's an absolute privilege to be able to share with you this morning and wrap up what has been an incredible three-part sermon uh, this morning. I kind of find it encouraging um, the words that Grace and Jasper have had for our church this morning. You know, we were all looking at the same verse, yet three of us had different ideas. God spoke different words to us through that. And I think that's just a testament to the personal God uh, that we worship, that he had something for each of us through this. And so it's my prayer that as we share, uh, God has been speaking to you and that, yeah, you'll get something out of it. You'll hear God's heart through this message. Uh, as a church, we have been looking at 40 days of generosity, and this sermon is part of that. I really like what we're doing as a church. Uh, usually in this period leading up to Easter called Lent, we give something up, um, usually something that benefits us. If we find ourselves purchasing too many coffees, we might give up coffee, or if we haven't used that gym membership that we got at the new year, we might start going to the gym. But what I really love that what we're doing this year is we're looking at giving, not giving up. And I think that's testament to the example that Jesus set at Easter, where he paid the ultimate sacrifice. He did the ultimate generous act by dying on the cross for us. And I think as a church, um, we've got something to learn in that. You see, so often we are guilty of focusing on ourselves, and especially at the time of Lent where we give up something to benefit ourselves, um, that we neglect thinking about those around us. But the Bible verse today echoes sort of what Jesus did. It encourages us to think outside of just ourselves and to get out there and help those people who are in need. And so in preparing for the sermon today, I found myself reflecting on the verse. And in one part, I found this verse really encouraging. On the other hand, I found it really challenging for me. And so in our short time together this morning, I just want to unpack that. The thing I found really encouraging about this verse is that for me, it creates a society where everyone was almost on an equal playing field. No one had any needs. Whatever people need, needed, it was met. 
And I hear the same cry of society today that people, that our world is full of need and people need something, the love of Jesus, they might need something. And as Christians, we are filled with God and we can meet that. Um, it reminded me of a Māori proverb that I heard at school that said, with my basket and your basket, the people will thrive. As if to say, the resources that I have, the blessings that God has placed on me, alongside your blessings, will be enough that people may have their needs met. Um, but on the other hand, I also found this verse very challenging because we do live in a world of need. We have an example here in the early church of how they were meeting needs, yet we still live in a world of need. And I was kind of challenged by that. What part do I have as a Christian to meet the needs of the world? Um, this week I saw on Facebook that the child poverty statistics of New Zealand had been released, and it painted quite a grim picture. It showed that more children in my lifetime, more than now, now than ever, are living in families which are part of the lowest income decile in our country, and it showed that more children now are living in families which are facing hardship. And the problem extends just beyond children. Uh, the most recent statistic we have about homelessness shows that there is a slow but steady increase in the rates of homelessness in our country. And I think part of that has to go on the society that we live in today. You see, society tells us that we are the most important thing, that we should be able to have what we want, when we want, and how we want it instantly. But this verse challenges us to think outside of that. It challenges us to put aside our own wants to meet the needs of other people. And in that, a sense of unity is created. I think we see nowadays in society more rates of isolation and loneliness than we ever have. And I think part of that goes down to the, the narrative that we're selling ourselves, that we are the most important thing, and in that we neglect the thought of others. Um, and so what I kind of started thinking about was some of the barriers as to why I am not as generous as I possibly could be. And I think I just have two really short points of this. I think the first part, the first barrier that we face is that we perceive everything that we have as our own. If I was to, for instance, go up to Karen and say, hey, Karen, can I have $10? I know that Karen's worked really hard yesterday at Kmart, um, helping people with their unexpected items in the bagging area, that he probably wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> that he probably wouldn't be very willing to give me $10. But all of a sudden, and I think that's a narrative we sell each other, but all of a sudden, if I was to pull out 10, $10 bills and give them to Karen, and then say, oh, by the way, Karen, can I have $10 of that back so Jasper can have some lunch today or something? I think Karen would be far more willing to give me that money. And I think that's a narrative we sell each other, that everything we have is our own. But in reality, the Bible talks about a generous God, a God from whom all blessings flow, a God who provides in our time of need. And I think that's kind of that picture of God giving us the resource, and then we have that opportunity to give that little bit back. And the other part, the other point that I had for that was it, it requires something of us. It can require humbleness. You see, if I know that someone's struggling it's often so much easier to do nothing than it is to do something. I don't think all of us are called to be the next Mother Teresa's of the world and to give everything, but what I do think this verse is calling us to do is to reflect on our own lives and see areas where we can be a little bit more generous.
I read a question earlier this week that said, um, in relation to this, that the generosity of the early church here was one of the signposts pointing towards Jesus. If my life was a signpost pointing towards Jesus and someone saw that, how, how good am I doing at pointing the way to Jesus? And I found that quite hard because I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Um, just as the worship team come up now, I just want to leave you with one quick question. That is, what in my life am I holding on to t- too tightly that perhaps maybe it's time to loosen the grip on a little bit? You see, God is a God who blesses us, and I think he blesses us for a reason. He provides us with th- certain things in certain times. Perhaps today, as we sing the next song, Spirit Breakout, would we just be able to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to show areas of life where perhaps we can loosen our grip and give God a bit more control over, so that he can remind us the purpose of why he has blessed us with his. Thank you.